Isn't God good to us? Amen. He is good to us. There's a, um, an old story about a preacher. He was leaving the current church that he was at. And at his farewell dinner, he tried to encourage one of the founding members of that church who looked extremely sad. And he said, don't be so sad. The next preacher might be better than I even was. And she replied, that's what they said before you came, but it just keeps getting worse. <laughs> That's not a very encouraging thing to hear, was it? We all need encouragement. This old life that we live can be challenging at times, and we all need to have some encouragement. We all need someone to lift us up, don't we? A little lifting up is good for the soul. So this morning, we're going to talk about, and I want you to become encourager. I'm going to encourage you to be an encourager. So I'm going to encourage you to be an encourager. On June 18, 1956, a freak accident happened on a lake in New York. A speeding motorboat bounced on a wave and it shot two of its passengers up into the water, out of the, up, out of the boat and into the water. One was a 50-year-old man and one was a little girl. To keep her from drowning, the man held her up above the water while the boat circled back around to pick her up. They rescued the little girl, but in exhaustion, the man sank to the bottom. That is how Dawson Trotman died. The former, uh, the founder of the Navigators. It was an international discipleship ministry. And according to a quote in Time Magazine, yes, Time Magazine did good articles at one point. Time Magazine, he lived to save others. His death was just the way he would have planned it. In his obituary, someone wrote that he died just the way he lived, always lifting someone up. What a legacy. What a legacy. To be known as someone who always lifted others up. Someone who was always encouraging others. It's taken me many years to learn that one good word, one word of encouragement can inspire people, both physically and emotionally. There was a study done using children and the effects that encouragement had on them. These psychologists hooked all these wires and sensors up to these children and, and then they would either use encouraging words and gestures or they would use discouraging words and gestures. And the study showed that when children were encouraged their physical energy increased. And when they used discouraging words and gestures, their energy level of the kids would drop almost immediately and drastically. I could have told them that. They didn't have to do the hookup. But while this particular study was done using children, I'm sure that even now, we as adults feel the same way. 
the same results could be had on us. When you're uh, encouraged, you brighten up. And when you're discouraged, your face sinks. Right? So, I work in a school, as many of you know, uh, and I can see that there's a noticeable difference in kids coming from dysfunctional homes versus those that are coming from stable homes. I know our teachers can see that, and even as a custodian, I can see that. We all need some encouragement, and we all like to receive encouragement. I'm aware that some personality types, they're like, yeah, I don't really need people to tell me how cool I am or how great I am. And then there's other personality traits that really desire it, really seek it out, really, really enjoy that. Um, without telling too much about myself, you know, there have been bosses that have encouraged me and I would pretty much run through the wall for them. But I'm a, I'm a type of personality, if you tell me what I'm going to do, probably not going to happen. It's probably not going to happen. But if you ask and encourage, I, I'm all in. That's my personality. When we receive encouragement, we feel like others care about us. I live about a block from the Burn City Pool, as many of you know. And as I was writing this sermon uh, a couple weeks ago, I knew I had, actually, what's the, I had this scheduled, and then Becky's surgery got canceled and pushed back. And so when PD called, when Becky called me last night, I said, well, I already have one ready because I was going to do it when Becky's surgery's come. So now i got to write another sermon, just so you know. But, <laughs> but when I was writing this message and studying it, uh, I was sitting in the screen room at the back of my house, and there was a swim meet going on at the burn pool, which is, like I said, about a block away from me. I could hear the loudspeaker, the announcements, and the call for the swimmers, and then the beep of the starter, and the start of that, whatever that scheduled swim was. All that stuff from the sound system made its way into my sunroom. And then there was the beep, the announcer's call, and the beep, and the swimmers were off. Above all the group cheering, you could hear just the, just the, the sound of cheer, but through all of that, a very loud voice of a dad encouraging their kid, Go, Janie, go! Swim! Came clear as day, a block and a half away, into my sunroom. Now, I've often wondered, sitting in that sunroom during past swim meets, do those kids actually hear those words of encouragement? I mean, their head's underwater, maybe one ear's up, but, you know, for the most part, their heads are in the water and they're swimming, and but I have to believe, I'm, all, I'm almost positive that Janie heard those words of encouragement. Half of Burn heard those words of encouragement. <laughs> I, told, I titled this message, Encouraged to Encourage. 
And my prayer is that through this message, God's going to inspire you to become an encourager. I want us to look at one of the great encouragers in the Bible this morning. Acts 4.36 is the first time we hear of this man. The church is young. It had really just gotten its start here in Jerusalem and all of the church was in one accord. That's what the scripture tell us. The church was in one accord. The apostles were preaching and teaching every day and more and more believed that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah. It was a really growing time. They were placing their faith in Jesus and what he had done on the cross for them. They were excited and on fire for God. <coughs> Excuse me. The scripture says that they were even selling their property so that everyone in the church would be provided for. They were taking care of each other. There was one man though who was singled out for his generosity and encouragement to others. Let's read our scripture this morning. It's found in Acts 4, 36 and 37. It says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. His name was Joseph. But we don't know him by that name. This is the last time his proper name is going to be used in Scripture. His nickname is Barnabas, son of encouragement. The apostles gave him a nickname. How many of you have a nickname? Luann's got a nickname? Susie. Susie. That's what my family Okay. Is there Susie in your name at all? Okay, okay. Many of us have nicknames. The apostles gave him the nickname, and I'm probably going to regret this, but when I was a supervisor in the factory, which has been a while now, the plant manager called me the mosquito. I knew I was going to regret this. Uh, the mosquito is the Florida state bird, in case you were wondering. Rex, you know that, right? Uh, he nicknamed me the mosquito because he said, I buzz around being a pest, and at times I even bite when I'm needed to. Now, I'm not sure how, but in that work environment, that was a compliment. <laughs> that was a compliment. Now as the head custodian at South Adams, I'm sure many would say I still buzz around a lot. I, I do. I'm, I'm always following up or doing something to help the teachers that have something needed done. So I'm always buzzing. But I know with age and experience, I don't bite much anymore. In fact, it's, you would think I didn't have my own teeth. My nickname really didn't mean anything. But for Joseph, 
being nicknamed Barnabas, it did. Names had a meaning back in Jesus' day, and it meant son of encouragement or encourager. Barnabas' character as an encourager was so well known that they actually changed his name. His nickname became who he was. As you look through the New Testament, you will find that everywhere he went, Barnabas was an encourager. If we looked at Acts 11, 22 through 24, it says, News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. He was glad and encouraged them. The church was expanding and starting to reach the Gentiles. That's us. And when the church in Jerusalem heard about this, guess what they did? They sent the encourager to go encourage the growing church. They sent the encourager Barnabas. Everywhere Barnabas is present, you're going to find that encouragement is going on. Even when the great apostle Paul was angry with John Mark and didn't want him to be part of his ministry team anymore, Barnabas chose to stay and encourage John Mark. Acts 15, 36-40 Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, which would be his hometown. But Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. Paul didn't want John Mark with them because he saw him as a quitter. One who wouldn't follow through on his commitments. Barnabas, however, saw a young man who needed encouragement. And obviously, Barnabas was correct. This young man we call John Mark is the writer of the gospel as recorded by Mark. This episode happened around 50 to 52 A.D., and the Gospel of Mark was written somewhere around 64 A.D. At least that's what most of the scholars tell us. So something happened in those 12 to 14 years to bring John Mark from a young man that wasn't committed to one that wrote boldly about the life of Christ and has one of the Gospels in our Bible. I don't know what happened but I do know that Barnabas had something to do with it. By not abandoning him and encouraging him and spending time with him and mentoring him and helping him to grow, John Mark became 
a dynamic person of faith. I encourage you this morning to be a Barnabas, an encourager. The Greek word we translate encourage from is parakaleo. Now, don't ask me to say that again, because I'm not sure I got it right that time. But just a little information about me, and most of you probably already know this, but I don't know Greek, and it's all Greek to me, but the computer makes these searches a lot easier. So, this original word means to call to one's side, to comfort, to console, to strengthen. When we encourage each other, we walk beside them, which means we share in their life by the way of support and strengthening. And that's exactly what Barnabas was doing with John Mark. He was mentoring him. To do what we can to strengthen instead of tear down. I want to take a few minutes this morning and let's just look at some of the principles that we can find in becoming encouragers. How do we become an encourager? I'm asking you to do it, but how? How do we do it? Well, the first thing we must realize is that encouragement must be spoken. Encouragement must be spoken. It doesn't do any good to just think good thoughts about a person. We need to communicate with people in order to encourage them. We need to learn to speak words of encouragement to each other. Acts 13.15 says, After the reading of the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them, saying, Brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please speak. So Paul and Barnabas had just arrived in Antioch and had gone to the synagogue on the Sabbath for worship. What would happen in these services was uh, there was a reading of part of what we would call the Old Testament and after they did that people would stand up and speak about that passage. And it's amazing that they looked at Barnabas and Paul and said, brothers, if you have any word of encouragement, come and give it. Come share with us, bro. You know, help us out. What do you got? They were looking for words of encouragement. We all look for words of encouragement. Words that will build us up. Words that will help us in times of trouble and despair. Words that will help us stay the course when times get tough. And words that infer, affirm that we're doing the right thing. You're on the right course. Stay the course. Hang in there. Don't quit. A few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to talk with someone who was in their mid-40s, who had lived a fairly rough life, um, was trying to turn some things around. They'd experienced some difficulty in life, some through bad choices, uh, some just life issues, you know, like death in family, you know, struggle with children, those kind of things. We all face different things in life. And I had noticed a real positive effort as 
they were walking on a new undiscovered faith journey. And I made the comment that I had noticed they were trying real hard and that I was proud of them for their effort and told them Jesus will be there for them. With tears starting to glisten in their eyes, they said, no one has ever told me they were proud of me before. Well, I'm proud of you, and with God's help, you can do this. Can you imagine being in your mid-40s and never feeling like someone was proud of you? Maybe you can. Our world is full of that. Our world is full of that person. While we need to speak words of encouragement, it's easy to speak words of discouragement. It's easy to put someone down, isn't it? A lot of times that comes a lot easier than the other. The second thing we must realize is that we must guard our tongues. We must guard our tongues. What does guarding your tongue mean? It means be careful what you say. You can't unsay it once it's been said. You cannot unsay it after it's been said. You can apologize. You can say, I really didn't mean that. But you can't unsay it. There's always going to be that hint of doubt of your sincerity once those words have been said. In James 3, 2 through 6, we see the brother of Jesus, and he writes, When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. The words that we choose are so important. We need to think and speak slowly. My mom used to tell us, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. That was good advice. Ann Landers once said, the trouble with talking too fast is that you may say something you haven't thought of yet. I really like that one. Sometimes we say something we haven't thought of yet. Ephesians 4.29 Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may, be, that it may benefit those who listen. Building each other up. How many of you have heard the of the cattle disease called hoof and mouth disease. Sometimes in our rush to speak and to discourage, we get what I would call the foot and mouth disease. 
We must be careful to not let our words discourage. Mark Twain said, and I like Mark Twain's quote here, it says, better to remain silent and thought a fool than to open one's mouth and remove all doubt. I, I think that's solid advice. I often told my boys when they were young that God gave them two ears and one mouth because he wanted them to listen twice as much as they talk. That's, that's good advice too. God put it right there on our head. Two ears, one mouth, listen twice as much as you talk. I'm not sure it worked for my kids, but at least one of them. But it's still good advice. Our society today has a new phenomenon that wasn't present in Jesus' day. Which brings us to our third thing that we must realize is there is a real person on the other side of the computer or phone. Those are real people. We have social networking. We have Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, other, other sites that can be a landmine for positive or negative. But you get to decide what yours is going to look like. You get to decide. This was, this is the way that many communicate in our world today. Let me encourage you to think carefully when you say what you say when you're writing or forwarding in this medium. Sometimes we don't have to say anything, we just forward it. And you go, well that wasn't very appropriate to forward. That was kind of discouraging. Use this great technology, and it is great technology, to encourage and build people up, not to tear people down and discourage them. We have a voice, but it should always be respectful. It's got to be respectful. With the recent change in Roe versus Wade, and praise God that there was that change, a person I know posted an article about the children in foster care and how now that number was going to skyrocket. It was formed like a conversation between an expecting mother and a pro-lifer that if the conservatives were unwilling to pay the high cost of adoption, then maybe we shouldn't get rid of abortion. Well, I had to respond. I, I, I felt compelled to God, by God, to respond. I probably have only responded to any posts of any kind um, less than the fingers I have on one hand. Less than five. I still have them all. This is exactly how I responded. So let me get this straight. In this fake conversation about a pro-lifer and another person the best solution that we have is killing babies? I don't think so. First of all, not all children in foster care uh, in foster care are up for adoption. Many go back to live with their parents and grandpa or grandparents once they get through the courts. Second, instead of discussing college debt forgiveness or giving all this money away for COVID, let's make adoption affordable or even free. 
since the government has all this money, let them pay for the adoption caseworker. The third thing, we already pass out free contraceptives, so let's continue that and teach a little more self-control as well. I didn't hate. I didn't scream everything in caps. And I didn't get any responses. <laughs> in fact, I don't know whether they saw that and took it down right away or if Facebook just kind of eliminated it. Because it just like, gone. Even though speaking with our voice is limited by the few that might read our posts, this medium can place your words forever in the land of technology. I'm sure that I could find that post somewhere. Encouragement must be spoken. Fill your mouse and technology pages with words that comfort, uplift, inspire, and maybe even occasionally convict. But do it in a gentle way. Not only do we encourage with our words, but finally, we encourage with our actions. I'm sure that you've heard the saying, actions speak louder than words. Yes? While that may be true in some cases, in the context of encouragement, they go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. We encourage people with our actions as well as our words. Let's look at another example here from Barnabas and see this encouragement in action. Acts 9, 26 and 27. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Paul is still going by the name Saul at this time. He had been saved on the road to Damascus and had answered God's call to preach and teach others about Jesus. The problem was that Saul was known as the persecutor of Christians, not a follower of Jesus. The Christians in Jerusalem were afraid of him because they thought he was trying to trick them. Now, I find that interesting. This is a side note that's not here. That Saul becomes Paul at this point. Because if they knew it was Saul, they would have been afraid of him. They were afraid to listen to Saul. But they didn't have social networking, so they didn't know what Paul or Saul looked like. So by changing his name, he became more acceptable. Just like the description of Barnabas as an encourager, Paul now is not feared, but Saul would still be feared. That's, that's a free one there for you. That's good. So the Christians in Jerusalem were afraid of him because they thought he was trying to trick them. But Barnabas took Paul to the apostles and he stood up for him. 
He told them that Paul's conversion, about Paul's conversion, and how he personally heard Paul preach the gospel of Jesus. Think what might have happened had Barnabas not took Paul by the hand and encouraged him to go see the apostles. It would have been easy for Paul to say, these people are not going to accept me. No matter what God did in my life, they're not going to accept me. Maybe I don't belong here. But Barnabas, through his actions, encouraged and strengthened Paul in his faith and in his reputation. Barnabas' actions matched his words, didn't they? I love this part here. Barnabas impacts John Mark. Barnabas impacts Paul. There's half your New Testament, folks. Because somebody was an encourager. Somebody was an encourager. Our actions need to match our words as well as if we truly encourage people. Sometimes also people need just a warm touch. Maybe we need to just wrap our arms around them and hold them and no words are necessary. They just need to know that you're there for them. The comforting and encouraging action. Most of all, people need our prayers. What an act of encouragement it is to pray for someone and let them know that you're praying for them and then do it. Wouldn't it be an awful thing you tell somebody that you're praying for them and then you don't pray for them? And you get to heaven and Gabriel says, well, it says here on the record you promised 2,000 people you are going to pray for them, but I only show that you got 99 prayers going up here. Wouldn't that be awful? Uh, don't know how to answer that one. Pray for people. If you tell them you're going to do it, do it. We can use that one sometimes flippantly. I'm going to pray for you. And it's just another word of, it's just another way to get away. If we're going to tell them we're going to pray for them, let's pray for them. That was free too. We encourage by our actions and our words. So I encourage you this day, to be an encourager. Lift each other up. Encourage your friends. Encourage your neighbors. Encourage your church family. You never know how God uses our encouragements to bring people into relationship with Him. Just as Barnabas made an impact on John Mark, and he made an impact on Paul, and we have no idea how he made an impact on the rest of those he came in contact with. But if he was a son of encouragement, you can bet there was a huge impact. So, my challenge for you today, I encourage you to be encouragers. Will you stand with me, please? Heavenly Father, we come to you in prayer this morning and it's it can be challenging for us to hear um, not so much to hear the words of encouragement but to apply them. It sometimes doesn't come natural to us to be an encourager. 
Our personality may just not be that person. But your word asks us to be overcomers. And, and sometimes overcoming a difficulty that we struggle with is also a way of honoring you. To, to work at it. To be an encourager when, dis, when encouraging is not easy for us. To be an encourager when we may not like the things that are going on. To be an encourager when times are difficult. Our world is giving us plenty of difficulty. But Lord, you have overcome the world. And we need to be encouragers to each other to help them overcome their disbelief. To help them overcome their struggle. To help them overcome the weakness that faces them. If we can just encourage one, if we can be an encourager for one that makes a difference in their course of life, Lord, I challenge us to do so. Help us. Help us, Lord, to be that encourager that we need to be. And Lord, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do. We thank you, Lord, for how you're going to use each one of us to encourage others in the days, weeks, months, and years to come. We praise your name for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You are dismissed.